Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 223. Uh, this week, first of all, I am pleased to be joined by my fan, which you can hear in the background, I'm sure, on the track. As I just tested it, but uh, you're going to have to deal with it because it's like 100 degrees here in New York City. Mm. Uh, so the fan is the only thing keeping us from dying. My air conditioner is much louder, and I had to turn that off, which Quinlan wasn't happy about. Quinlan's here too. Hello, I Quinlan. I can really hear the AC, though. You can really hear the AC. Okay. Trust me. Like, the AC is so loud. I mean, the fan sounds loud enough already, but, like, they're going to have to deal with that. But it's one of these fans that, too, has, like, a little uh, misting to it. You put, like, cold water on the bottom. feels pretty good. I don't know. Can you get Are you getting yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feels pretty good. So, Quentin, what's up? How you been doing? Okay. Uh, we just went out. Don't got to talk about what happened on the air. Yeah. But uh, stressful. But everything's cool now. And we're back in my room. Uh, Quinlan, I, I played my uh, my new Sonos arc for Quinlan, and he was not that impressed. He was like, eh, he's not a uh, an audio file, I guess. Didn't really care about the music effects, huh? There was sound. <laughs> it's on nine different channels. Okay. They separate out the instruments, and the vocals sound so clear out of the center track. You didn't, you didn't care? Mm. No, not really. Okay. So what is, what's been up with you? Nothing. Nothing. What have you been doing all week? I really haven't talked to you all week. Stuff. <laughs> okay. Like what? Stressing out about Otakon and then finding out none of my panels are happening anyway. So, oh. You know. Well, you're still on a panel. Yeah. Around what, Final Fantasy XIV? Yes. I, I have two panels. They're both both my indie music panels. But yeah, both the video game panels I submitted with you and Henry got declined as well. But if you really want to... If you really, really want to present a panel at Otakon, apparently the key is to do it about dolls. 
because that'll get through every time. Or idols. Or idols. <laughs> or indie music. Or indie music. Or well, look, in, indie music is great. Well, okay, VTubers the should VTubers be should should be in the fucking con. That shit is really popular. Okay. I don't know. I find I talking find to the them, microphone. I buddy. find them confusing. Well, they're, they're, they're like just... that that thing that's on your wall there, Miku. Like, what is that? She's uh, I she's know a what she is, but she's not real, right? No, but so then okay, how... okay. VTubers and Vocaloids are different. She like voc Vocaloids are like like there was a real person that like uh, you know gave their voice for it, but like you can synthesize the Vocaloid to say whatever the fuck you want. A VTuber is really just a person. Uh, doing voice acting for a virtual character. That's all it is. Okay. It's not like you can just make the character say anything you want. You still have to have a person voice it. It's very different from a Vocaloid. But yeah, so Quinlan was pointing at Hatsune Miku, which is on, in a... I have a Miku Expo, Miku Expo uh, poster on my wall so that I got when I went to the concert. We were supposed to go to that concert, and yeah, it never happened. It never happened because of uh, COVID nineteen. You guys heard of that? Yeah, I don't know if they've heard of COVID, uh, but yeah. So, what's what, nothing else is happening? We're going to Lake City next weekend. Oh yeah, it's very exciting. Next Friday, mostly not really to gamble that much, mostly just to go to that restaurant. And mm. so there's gonna be we're gonna do. Apparently, our friends are like organizing a sake tasting, mm. and this guy here texts me. Uh, I'm gonna just read back the text. I'm just said, texting. I'm gonna what read. I'm gonna read back the text I got here, and you guys can tell me what you would. How'd you react if you got this text? Got this text. Quote: Yesterday, 5:22 p.m. We're going to do a sake tasting in the room in AC before dinner. Don't drink crap before it. End text. Now that sounds a little aggressive, right? That sounds a little. It doesn't sound very lighthearted. Because when I asked him, like, "What the fuck is this text?" You were like, "Oh, don't! Isn't this actually lighthearted or something?" And I was like, "No, you didn't say LOL at the end of it or something." Uh, apparently, which you were passing on a message from uh, our friend Rick, and he said, LOL, "Give so give him a heads up so he doesn't drink crap before an LOL." That's a different message than uh, you know. <laughs> then just don't drink crap before it. Okay, well, <laughs> like, plan to anyway. So. I'm gonna. I will. I, so my bus. Because I'm taking. I'm going down earlier than you guys. You guys are driving. I'm taking the bus from New York. My bus get drops me off at resorts, which has the wet willies at the back of it, and I am getting myself a frozen daiquiri. So that's what I'm doing as soon as I get off the bus. But you know, I can. I'll try to clear my palate between that. I'm not gonna be a teetoler. Uh, for the next fucking three hours or whatever it's going to take for uh, you guys to get down there with that mm -hmm. New Jersey traffic. But are you excited for the trip? Yes. Should be fun. Are you going to gamble at all? Um, if there's some minimums, maybe I'll play roulette that if they are too high. you got to find, what, a $10 table? Yeah. Because 15 is too high for roulette. Why, you don't want to play blackjack now? There's not going to be any... I have a feeling there's not going to be any empty tables with a low, low buy-in. There might be but. 15 pretty hot for blackjack. Yeah. You're the guy that fucking hates blackjack now. You prefer to play the game that you always lose a thousand dollars at. I won. Every once th in a while you win ten dollars, so I is good. Uh, did I not win on my last trip? Didn't I provide you photographic evidence that I won on my Nine out of ten times you lose a thousand, but every once in a while you win your ten dollars up, so mm. it's the best game there. Okay, I, last time I hit the all tall small. Uh -huh. So I won. And I was not there, so I missed this. <laughs> it was 175 to one, I think I had four dollars on it, so that was like seven hundred dollars right there. And then I, it, came, it was like, it maybe came out ahead for the trip. Just on that, so 
don't know what you're talking about. Craps is great. But yes, I don't, I don't really like to play $15 craps either, so hopefully I can find $10. But it's a Friday night, so probably won't be able, In the middle of July, too, so probably mm-hmm. probably won't be able to. You get free beach towels. So. That is true for poor guy for some reason. <laughs> it was such a weird email. I was like, come get your free beach towel. I was like, okay. It's like, really? What, I, so all the money I, we, we can afford to gamble, I don't think I can afford to buy my own beach towel. Free. It's a little weird, but anyway, we're mostly going just to go to that Izakaya Borgata again, because usually, uh, you know, we go to Atlantic City in the summer for uh, Anime Next, but it was canceled because just a little bit too early because of co- you know with COVID and everything. So basically, the same friend group that normally goes to Anime Next is just going to go down there to go to that restaurant and stuff and hang out. But there you go. I I should not drink crap, everybody, because it'll ruin my. Uh, don't ruin my palate for the sake tasting we're doing. Uh, anything else you want to say about the trip? No. No? Don't play any more slot machines. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so, we're here to do Tokyo Dome Retro Roulette. That's what we're here for. We did this once. I don't remember if that was on the Patreon or on the free feed. What but is this this, on? this is on the free feed. Okay. So the the uh, the free feed people can listen to it. So it's just any Tokyo Dome show. It doesn't have to be Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, any Tokyo Dome. We did this already. Okay. You don't remember? Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm confirming. Yeah. So any Tokyo Dome show it doesn't have to be Wrestle Kingdom. Doesn't have to be New Japan. Uh, so I get six oh, random. No, it can be anything. Last time I got an All Japan one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So any six shows, it can be the same six shows I got last time, as long as it's different matches. Um, Actually, should I make it so it has to be different shows? No, do it. No. Let's do that. Let's do that. We already did. We already did those six shows. We'll do six different ones. So it'll be six different shows. It'll be a random match from each show, but uh, not a main event since I'm covering all the main events on the Patreon, which is a good transition to plugging the Patreon. So uh, if you are not signed up for the Wrestling Omakase Patreon, uh, you can do that for only five dollars at Patreon.com/slash Wrestling Omakase. What do you get for your money? What do you get for your five dollars? Do you know what you get for your five dollars, Quinlan? More shows. You, you get more shows. Uh, so we get instead of every other week a full episode, you get every week because I do two two uh, Patreon exclusive episodes a month. We just did an episode with me and Chris Samso this past week, uh, reviewing the two Summer Struggle and Sapro shows, previewing the next Tokyo Dome show, which is why, of course, we're doing this Tokyo Dome retro roulette again. Um, you know, so previewing Wrestle Grand Slam in Tokyo Dome, uh, previewing the other Summer Struggle big matches. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we, we did like two hours on it almost. So, you know, Chris and I had a lot of fun. And that's available right now if you listen to on the Patreon. Uh, along with that, you get my series covering every one-match episode in order. Uh, so all the one-match episodes, you know, are covered on there. Uh, <laughs> all the Tokyo Dome main events. So we're in the middle of the uh, New Japan versus UWFI trilogy right now. So right now that is uh the the Takata Deca- we did both the Keiji Muto versus Takata matches from ninety five and then up next is the uh Keiji Muto uh okay, you're like really getting up on the bed. Keiji Muto versus Takata matches. Up next is the Takata versus getting Hashimoto. Up on this bed is like getting on a fucking horse or something. <laughs> like, Jesus. I have it on I have it on T V mode. Yeah, I know. Because it, like it, it's a moving bed. Anyway, so that means torture. <laughs> it it feels great. What are you talking about? It's a great back support. Anyway, I thought you of all people would appreciate the back support. You're always complaining about your back. Because I have back problems. Okay, you should get talking on the mic if you want people to hear you, buddy. Okay. Uh, Takata. So Takata and Hashimoto is next. You're like ruining my plug. 
So, we're covering all the Tokyo Dome main events in order. Takata vs. Hashimoto is next. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, again, not just New Japan, not just Wrestle Kingdom, all the Tokyo Dome main events. It'll take a long fucking time, especially since we take breaks to do other series and stuff. Uh, just completed my Naito Tanahashi series, doing all the Naito Tanahashi matches in order. What's your favorite Naito Tanahashi match? Um, the one we were at. No, that's, that's, that's the one I went with, too. It's, I give that and the Wrestle Kingdom 1 5 stars, but I just barely put the G1 1 above it. So, anyway. Uh, yes, the uh, all the Naito Tanahashi matches are on there. So, you can also see that, or listen to that, I guess. It's not a video podcast. Uh, at patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. This is the worst plug of all time. But trust me, you get so much audio on there. so bad? Because you fucking interrupt me in the middle of it to be like, getting on your bed is like getting on a horse. And Nicole opened the door and like gave me a dirty look because I guess she wasn't expecting me to have started recording. And the whole fucking thing it just totally threw me off. So, anyway, I'm still paranoid about how loud this fan probably sounds, no but cares, I don't want to die of heat exhaustion trying to record this episode. That's a great song yes. by the Gig yes. Name Boys. Yes. Uh, I, just, yeah. I, I can't, I don't know if I can get away with putting that in my panel anymore, though. Mm, unless you make it 18 there's plus. A scene Why? Where, you used to do it before it was I, like, di- I did it. When it wasn't 18 plus. When it wasn't 18 plus, plus yeah. Mm, I mean, there's a scene where a man, like, there's a masturbates lot through mm, his pants. That's not, in that music video. And there's other things. There's a lot. Of, gang name boys. I everybody. can't believe you could show uh, B on there. Well, it's not. It, she's not actually. Nude. I know, but she appears to be. I'm surprised they didn't. But, and, um, they never, but I, I got a video. I got a version of the video where she's censored now. So. Oh, and there's another video. Uh, Supercar B. No, not. Uh, you couldn't play a uh, well, white surf style five. Oh, drink. No, you can play that. White surf style no, five. No, you're right. You're right. No. <laughs> or drinking boys. You couldn't play that either. White surf style five with the fucking the 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 fucking domestic violence music video. Yeah, but it was like a cartoonish thing. I guess that was that's also a supercar one. Yeah, Japanese indie music videos are crazy, folks. Uh, anyway, so uh, I guess with that we're gonna go pick our matches now. So we don't know what we're, what we're getting. We have no idea yet. Uh, obviously, you know, if you looked at the show description, what we got already. You can see the future. So you can see the future, that's true. So, you know, you, if we got something funny, you already know, and we don't... It hasn't happened yet, so we don't know. That's how audio works, I guess. Uh, but yes, so give me one sec, and then we'll be back right after we've watched whatever the first match was. All right, so we just got finished watching our first match which was from the SWS WrestleFest in Tokyo Dome show on March 30th, 1991. Uh, so this would have been a show that we covered already on the uh, Omakase Patreon, which, you know, obviously I did the main event, which was Genichiro Tenru and Hulk Hogan against the Road Warriors, oh, Animal Warrior nice. and Hawk Warrior. It no sure as shit was. Uh, but yes, the match we got here was, it's built on cage match as a non-title match, I guess it is. Uh, the Intercontinental sure. Champion, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning against the Texas Tornado, Kerry uh, Von Erich. Not not the two guys I expected to see when we went sat down to do this series. I don't no, know. No, uh, neither. So, <laughs> well, the guy I really didn't expect to see was the <laughs> ring announcer, but mostly because I didn't know he was still employed by WWF in the nineties. Yeah, the ring announcer's uh, Mel Phillips. Mel Phillips yeah. uh, although for years I didn't know what he looked like until I was looking. Yeah, at I had no old, idea he was a old, black guy. Old, uh, like eighties. Stuff on the network, seventies, eighties stuff, and just and most and most of them he he does he's gone. They don't have him on there if he's on the show. But there are a couple in there 
where he where he pops in and one time I was like oh that's I've heard his name a million times never knew what he looked like didn't really want to know uh, and, and he was there and <laughs> so we got Mr. Perfect who died in his 40s, 40s. Yeah. and we have Mr. Carrie Von Eric who committed suicide and then we have uh, I mean this, this I match. think he's still alive Tom, Phil- Tom Phillips no Phillips is dead oh he is um, okay <laughs> yes yes he's dead um so but that's the the problem is what he was yeah. guilty of. Uh, yeah. So at least the, the ref was was one was uh, one of the WWF refs who was just a guy. Uh, forget which one. I recognize him. I think he was still there in the nineties. Uh, yeah. He didn't die tragically or do anything horrible. To, to our him. knowledge. So, to our knowledge. To our knowledge. Yeah. But you know, I want to hope so. One out of four <laughs> isn't a tragic story. So. Uh, like you, so three of these guys could could get an episode. Nah, Mr. Perfect couldn't get an episode of Dark Side of the Ring, but he did have a tragic death. The yeah. other two, well, one of them hasn't yet, so I guess they haven't done the the eighties. Uh, they haven't done that yet, right? No, they haven't, they haven't done, done an episode on that yet. Yeah. I don't know Dark Side of the Ring. Well, they got a lot to get through. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, the wonderful world of American wrestling. Yeah. Uh, well, it doesn't just cover America, remember, but it is mostly. Mostly American. So the Super World of Sports. How how familiar are you with this promotion? Not really. Do you know anything about them? Not really. So they are the Eyeglass Puro Company. So they are the company that was founded by Maigane Super, the Eyeglass Company, by raiding Genichiro Tenryu and a bunch of other people from all Japan, raiding a few people from New Japan, and their, their goal was to start a new Puro Company. Because remember, this is the very start of the 90s. All these Japanese companies are really flush for cash still from the 80s. You know, the bubble economy in Japan. Mm. And, you know, the bubble has not yet quite burst. It's about to, which is why the SWS isn't around for very long. But at this point, like, this is the same guy who, uh, there's a great anecdote in this. I think it's from Eggshells, the uh, the Chris Charlton book about the Tokyo Dome shows. Where the the man, the guy who ran Megani Super once turned to one of his assistants and was like, You know who I wanted to uh, sing at my next birthday party? Michael Jackson. This is 1991. That's going to be... Yeah, that was tough. pretty diff- going to be pretty tough. Yeah. But that's the kind of thing you're dealing with here. It's like, they were like, well, let's just book the Tokyo Dome. And they, meanwhile, SWS, like, that was basically what he said. He was like, well, let's just book the Tokyo Dome. You know, New Japan runs the Tokyo Dome. All Japan was about... I just run it with uh, in, with WWF, actually, the Wrestling Summit, WWF and New Japan. And they're like, so we got to run it, too. And, you know, they're, the guy in charge of the SWS, you know... The day-to-day operations is like, we can't even fill, like, 7,000-seat arenas. How the hell are we going to run the Tokyo Dome? And he's like, well, just book people who can fill the Tokyo Dome. And that's it. And so they went out and cut a deal with the WWF. Mm. And that's why there's so many WWF guys on this show. They did not, by the way, fill the Tokyo Dome. No, <laughs> no. WWF was not that popular in Japan, especially at this point. I mean, they, they mostly knew the NWA people. Uh, oh. You know, from all because like, they came over all the time to all Japan. You know, WWF was considered kind of cartoony, and it just wasn't considered, like, the real American wrestling. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's that's the storyline here. So there's a lot of matches on this show. There are, uh, it looks like, 12 matches total. Really nothing that, like, I'm like, oh, I wish we had gotten that. I mean, it's a lot of weird matches. You know, some WWF versus WWF, some WWF versus Foundation versus, versus the Rockers. Versus, yeah, we could have gotten that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even think it's that good, though. Probably like, not. Like, either. the WWF matches, you could see in this match how they the WF guys handled that. I mean, at this point, you have to remember the Tokyo Dome. This is the, I believe, the fifth ever Tokyo Dome show. Uh, yes, the, the sixth ever, actually. The sixth ever Tokyo Dome show. So the Tokyo Dome is only a couple years old. It doesn't even have any mystique to it. 
I mean, you can watch this match. Kerr Henning and Kerry Von Erich treat this like another half-show stuff. Yeah. And that's how I think almost all of the WWF people treated it, except the main... I mean, the, Hogan tried, because Hogan actually wanted to uh, wrestle in Japan more, and he did. He ended up getting a deal in New Japan uh, not long after this. Remember when he goes to there and says, this WWF title is a trinket! Yeah. And he's like, the IWGP... It's a stepping for, stone. Yeah, he's just misquoted. He's misquoted, yeah, on mm-hmm. video saying that. Uh, but yes, so these guys here, they treated this as a as a house show match. Uh, the video and audio quality, by the way, I, I will, uh, of course I will provide the link in the description. It's on YouTube. Leaves a little bit to be desired. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a fifth generation VHS tape or something. Uh, so yeah, Henning jumps Carrie as soon as he gets in the ring. He clotheslines him over the top rope to the outside, beats on some more outside. Won't let him get back in the ring and like hits a knee attack to him uh, when he gets up on the apron. But then Carrie finally pulls him out and punches him repeatedly on the floor to get a little payback. But then Carrie won't let Henning back on the ring. And then this, he... this stuff, I think, was like the best part of the match. <laughs> <laughs> but then he finally puts him back in, and then he tosses him right back out again. I'm like, yeah. can you guys just fucking wrestle? Like, what is going on here? Then, no, you didn't want them to. But yes, then we then they finally got in the ring, and we got a very lackluster lockup, followed by something. I could not tell what this was supposed to be the first time. I rewound it. It was, I guess, Kerry Von Erich punching Kerr Henning in the gut while he was running by, except I think his fist was like 50 feet from Kerr Henning's gut, so it looked ridiculous. Uh, Kerry then put the iron claw on his stomach. The crowd loved that. That yeah, was like the first thing. The iron claw. That was the first thing in this fucking match to get a real reaction. The crowd was going crazy for that iron claw. So of course he immediately let go of it, and then put on Boston Crab for some reason. And which like, Miss Perfect kept pulling his tights down. Yeah, Kurt was like, in. here's something for the ladies. Yeah, basically. <laughs> he kept like, doing it. It went on for a while. Like, yeah. He goes, here you go, ladies. Get your photos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Carrie tried for the claw again, this time to the head, but Kurt was able to block it. Uh, Kurt hit like a very nice standing mm, drop kick. Yeah, that drop kick was probably the best move in the match. That's probably the, like one star of my star rating. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a very nice drop kick. That sends us to the outside again. Uh, Perfect then grabs a chair. Hits Kerry on the head with it while he's up against the post. And the referee didn't really care the about that. The ref is right there. But then... Doesn't give a fuck. Uh, which makes so, it even <laughs> stranger <laughs> considering what the finish is, which you'll get to in a minute. But yeah. Like, this match, by the way, is only like 10 minutes. Let me let me get the exact time. I should do... It's I probably like 8 it's, minutes. Uh, no, I think it's 10. I think it's 10. I think it's only 10, isn't uh, it? The, oh, you're right. 6.59. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Kerry... Uh, comes back with a, an iron claw to the head, but Kurt, Kurt like, gets right out. He's like, ah, fuck this. I'm like, way to kill the fucking claw, buddy. Isn't that his whole thing? Uh, Carrie then throws Kurt in the raft like a complete idiot, and that lets Kurt, you know, hit or th- put him head first in the exposed turnbuckle. I don't even remember when it was exposed. Uh, so we need a rough bump for that, but not for the chair shot. Yeah. Then Kurt hits the perfect plus, okay? This referee. Can you describe what this referee does? Uh, he just keeps crawling. He keeps crawling. He counts like one, I think. But then he. But I think that was just him, like, I moving f- along. At first, I'm like, was that a one count? Now he's just moving. He. Mr. Perfect is laying on him for, like, like forever. And like then a the ref. 15 count. Like, like if, yeah. And then the ref just gets up and says, it's over. <laughs> and, uh, and you had to rewind it three times. I'm like, did he count to three and I missed it? And we rewind. like, no, he didn't. He just crawled over. And told Mr. Perfect it's over, but then Mr. Perfect fought he won, but then he said no, Kerry won. <laughs> Why? I don't know. <laughs> he DQ'd Kurt for what? He didn't see him throw... Was it because Kurt ran into him? But, but Kurt Kerry, Kerry threw, threw Kurt. 
And plus, he didn't dispute. Maybe DQ it was a Kurt for maybe, well, the maybe chair. it was a very long delay on a DQ on for the chair. chair. Like he thought about it for a long time. He's like, you know what? That was a DQ. Ding, ding, ding. Like later, he's like, wait, I think that <laughs> is against the rules. <laughs> and the thing came, I know, I know. and the referees came on Eric's arm. The fans the all boo him. The, the refs were booing the hell. <laughs> the I mean, they weren't really. They weren't booing Kerry. They were just booing this stupid finish. I yeah. think. Like, what the fuck are you doing? What is this finish? Like, uh, no. This sucked. Yeah, this I was dumb. One, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I still don't know. <laughs> what does the finish on Cage Match say? Is it DQ? There's DQ. But what was he DQ'd for? For being a bad the chair? Man. The turnbuckle? The being run? But he didn't see the turnbuckle! By the opponent? I, I don't know. Anyway. But then he saw the chair like 20 <laughs> minutes before he called the fucking DQ! This is so stupid. And then it, he's like, none of it because the chair, it was too light a reaction for it to be the chair. He didn't see the turnbuckle, and Kerry was the one that threw. Oh, you know what? Who cares? Why Who cares? Are we yeah, I don't know. One and a half stars. That's yeah, my star rating. It's, it's a bad match. The one and a half is horrible. Yeah, I know. I get it mostly with the drop kick. Yeah, okay. But yeah, it's a horrible match. So there you go. Uh, there you go. That's your. Opener here. It can only go up from here. That's for sure. Yeah, so, so we'll we'll be back with our next contest. All right. So we just watched our second match, which was Juice and Thunder Liger versus Koji Kanemoto from January fourth, nineteen ninety nine, uh, the Wrestle World, a uh, wrestling world in Tokyo Dome, nineteen ninety nine. The Attitude Era. Uh, so this this match went twenty three eleven. So pretty long. Uh, it's a very yeah, it's a very weird match, right? It is. Very so, weird match. Yeah. Uh, so this is right in the middle of Liger's ninth reign as junior heavyweight champion. Uh, it was a 403-day reign. He won it back on February 7th, 1998 from Shinjiro Otani uh, in the in Hokkaido. And he would lose it to Kanemoto a couple months after this, March 17th in Hiroshima. Uh, but yeah, this was his ninth reign. I, I don't remember how many reigns he had exactly. Let me see. I think he had, oh, definitely had at least lot. 11... Did he never win the belt again after that? Wow. Yeah, I think his, he, he had 11 reigns. No, I think his last reign... No, no, after this he did. But his last reign was pretty pretty uh, early. Yeah, his last reign ended July 20th, 2000. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so he did not hold this belt again. Uh, yeah, after that. I mean, he, he went on to hold he the... challenge Yeah, he wanted to hold the junior tag titles six times. All after that, he held the GHC junior title in NOAA in 2004. Uh, he held the Open the Dreamgate title in Dragon Gate in 2007. Jeez. Uh, he held the JPW Light Heavyweight title yes. in 2010 and 2011. The CMLL World Middleweight title in 2010 and 2011. Did he win anything in Chikara? No. I don't think so. The yeah. CMLL World Tag Titles with Hiroshi Tanahashi in 2013. The GHC Junior Tag Titles with Tiger Mask in 2013. And his final title... Could you guess it if you don't see it on the screen? I can see it on the oh, screen. The NWA World Junior title. And the JPW is obviously the most prestigious yeah. title on that Jersey list. Jersey All-Pro. Uh, what year yeah. did he win it? 2010. Oh, wow. Yeah, 2010, 2021. That's when they were working in New Japan, remember? Yeah. When they had the, they had that show that bank, pretty much bankrupted them? Uh, America, right? Yeah, the, the Invasion Tour. Uh, but yes, so... There's there's some stuff on this card. So this card is headlined by Scott Norton defending the IWGP title against Keiji Muto. So I believe Muto wins the belt back there. Um, but yeah, there's some other stuff on this card I wouldn't mind getting. Like uh, it has a match in the Shinya Hashimoto versus Naoya Ogawa feud, which is very famous. Um, it has Atsushi Onita against Kensuke Sasaki. Like, I wonder what the fuck that was like. Just a straight match, according to those. Not like a death match or anything. Uh, but I'm I'm not unhappy we got this match, though. I mean, this match yeah. was pretty... It's pretty interesting. 
so they start this match out by just beating the absolute piss out of each other. Yeah. I mean, they are slapping each other in the face. Hard. Really hard. They're stomping each other on the mat much harder than you typically see people stomping each other on the, on the mat. I mean, they are just beating the living shit out of each other here. Uh, Kanemoto then goes after Liger's leg for a while. Uh, the leg work is pretty good, I thought. Yeah. But, like... He went after it for a long time, and then... Liger blew it off. It wasn't for a while, but eventually it did seem like... Okay, because... Like, it was like the first, like, five minutes of the match, almost, it felt like. And then it wasn't like right away Liger jumped up and was, like, running around. But it was later in the match, I was like... "Mm, I thought it was... So after all that leg work, his leg doesn't seem to really be bothering him at all. Yeah. Uh... Is he went after that same leg for a long time? Yeah, and then I understand this. Like, I guess you can say the story is he's trying to ground him. He's Liger's, and for the first like ten minutes of the match, Liger didn't do any like flips or dives or anything. He was it was all he, keeping him grounded, which which is a good story. Mm-hmm. Like that's how he's trying to stop Liger from getting on the top rope or anything. But uh, but yeah, the mat there was some like, some mat wrestling here, which was somewhat slow paced. Uh, but they did keep like hitting each other pretty hard to keep me engaged. Yeah. And this almost like a squash of points. I mean, Kanemoto was just, like, slowly destroying Liger, keeping him grounded, like you said. But then Liger got the, the, the <laughs> modified uh, surfboard. Or yeah, he came else. back with a modified surfboard and then some kind of other double arm hold. That was pretty boring, honestly. Yeah. That was, like, a re- long, boring stretch. Uh, that went on for a while, right through the 10-minute call. Yeah, this middle part was when it got, like, it really slowed down. You're like, yeah. And then Liger, I started reading reviews for the new Space Jam movie, because you, yeah. you mentioned it got, it's getting killed, and I wanted to read why it's getting killed. No, it's really Ready har- Player One Part 2. It sounds but, pretty horrible. Yeah. Uh, Liger, like, totally blew off all that leg work. And like you said, but, the, that you know, obviously that's bad. But, like, on the other hand, he hit a pretty nice dive off the top rope to the floor. I mean, that dive looked really nice. And it was like, at that point in this match, this match desperately needed the high spot. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, okay, great. And then at one point, Liger tries to, like, uh, lift Kanemoto for the Liger bomb. But Kanemoto counters as soon as he's up on Liger's shoulders and hits a very quick sunset flip power bomb that sends Liger into the turnbuckle behind both of them. That was really cool. Yeah. That was a very cool spot. Uh, and the crowd was really into this past the 20-minute mark. If you go back and watch a lot of these Tokyo Dome junior title matches in the 90s and early 2000s, that was not a given. There are a lot of long junior matches that did not get any reaction from the Tokyo Dome crowd. I mean, they were kind of famous for not reacting to junior matches. So, you know, the crowd was into it here, which was not a given, like I said, for a junior heavyweight title match in 99. Uh, Kanemoto, so he really takes over again. He, like, knocks Liger out, I guess, is the idea. Like, too hard... You know, Shotage, you know, Liger's move, the, the slap to the face. And then he starts, like, just spitting on him. And you were, like, taken aback at that. Yeah. Because I guess you don't, you're not that familiar with Koji Kanemoto, so you didn't realize when he looked, yeah. like, what a jerk he is. That's pretty much his whole character. Like, they, mm-hmm. this is the period where, like, you know, New Japan Junior Division, it had these very colorful, uh, you know, mass characters like Jusen Thunder Liger and El Samurai. And then it also had, uh, you know, these fucking, uh, you know, grumps. Koji Kenimoto, Shinjiro Otani, uh, Tetsuhiro Takaiwa. So, you know, that was kind of their whole thing. They were like the grumps. Uh, 
but yeah, this, the crowd was really into this, like I said. And then, so so Kanemoto kills him. He starts spinning on him, and then but he goes for like a hits this twisting moonsault. It looks really cool. But then instead of going for the pen, he like starts waving his finger at the crowd, pulls Liger back up, and pulls him up on the top rope. And that proves to be his downfall. As Liger suddenly recovers, hits the Shote on him to knock him off the top rope, and then sets him back up and hits a really sick top rope ringbuster. That was sick as hell. Dropped him right on his neck. And that gets the pin. So yeah, this is a really weird match that I struggled with how to rate it. I thought it started out good, ended good, but the middle yeah. lost me. So It's like leg work that gets totally blown off by Liger. Really fun opening few minutes. Really fun ending. And like you said, boring middle. Not comp- not all boring, but, yeah. but there are some, yeah. It was almost a Kanemoto squash at points, but then he loses. Then he I mean, loses. Very he strange. loses because he was an idiot. Yeah. Like, the story is, he, like, he could have gotten the win there. I love how NWO Sting is on the screen, by the way. Do you see him? Where is he? All the way to the bottom right. Oh, that's he's who got, that is. That's, he's got the fucking Sting, Jeff Farr, he's got the Sting face paint, but there's his four wife. Uh, I guess that's, that's better funny. than who was on your screen after the last match. Okay. You want me to say who it was? No, not really. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's very strange, uh, but ultimately, really quite enjoyable match. So I'm going to go three and three quarters. That's fair. Yeah, so that's right. I can't quite go four, because it's a really weird match. Alright, folks, so that was match number two. We'll be back in just a second with match number three. What? No. Oh, okay. Alright, so we just got finished with match number three, which was Toshiaki Kawada and Hiroshi Tenzan in the IWGP Heavyweight Title Tournament semifinal uh, from Wrestling World 2001, January 4th, 2001. Uh, so, do you know the story behind the uh, IWGP title tournament or no? No. Okay. So it's a really weird thing because back in October, so this is like the very start of the New Japan versus All Japan feud that happened when uh, Noah split off from All Japan. Remember, the entire roster leaves All Japan except for, you know, the entire native roster except for Kawada and Fuchi. That's it. And then some of the foreigners stayed too. And that, you know, so All Japan's, you know, devastated by that. So they reach out to New Japan for help. And, you know, they start this New Japan versus All Japan storyline that would carry them through, uh, you know. It, it started in, like, the, the very end of the summer, 2000. I remember Fuchi walks out the G1 final and is like, I want to break down the barrier between New Japan and All Japan or something. And then uh, the first main event is the Tokyo Dome in October, uh, where Kawada faces the IWGP Heavyweight Champion Kensuke Sasaki uh, in a non-title match. He beats Sasaki... Sasaki vacates the title the next night. And then, do you know what the main event of this show is? The finals of this one-night tournament, which is Kawada versus Sasaki. So why didn't they just have Kawada beat Sasaki for the title and lose it back to Sasaki in the Dome in January? The only thing I can think of is they didn't trust Kawada to lose the belt back. I guess. So this way, if Kawada doesn't come back to lose... I mean, it would have still humiliated Sasaki if he didn't lose back to him, but at least they wouldn't have had to vacate the title. But yeah, so they did this one-night tournament where uh, you had Kojima versus Sasaki and Tenzan versus Nagata in the first round. I don't know why the fuck Chono got a, a bye. Maybe he won the G1 that year. Let's, let's say. He probably did. Yeah, because he won the G1 a million times. Let's say G1 Climax 2001. Oh, it would have been 2000, actually. G1 Climax 2000. Who? Oh, no, it was Kensuke Sasaki. So why the fuck did Chono get a bye? Because I thought the byes would have been Sasaki and Kawada. But no, it was, uh, 
you know, the, la the, the last champion, the guy who beat the last champion. But no, Chono got a buy for some reason. I, if you know why Chono got a buy, uh, feel free to at me on Twitter and tell me, at WrestleOmakase, because I have no idea. Wrestling one fed. <laughs> That's for later. But yeah, so Sasaki beats Kojima, and Tenzan beats Nagata in the first round to open the show. And then Sasaki beats Chono, and this is the match we got, Kawada beating Tenzan. Uh, in the semifinals, and then the main event is Sasaki beating Kawada. Um, you know, so there's really, I mean, this match is awesome. This is the, be the best match we watched by far, I think. They so, beat each other up really, really no regrets here about getting this one. Yeah. Uh, you know, so Tenzan, he just beats the shit out of Kawada with Mongolian chops, and especially with fucking headbutts. He headbutts Kawada so fucking hard, he busts himself open hard way. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looks brutal. Uh, he finishes off what's basically been all Tenzan at this point by hitting the uh, the TTD, the Tenzan Tombstone Driver. But do you like that he taught that to Master Wato? I, I kind of like that. It's yeah, like bringing that move back. Interesting. Uh, then he drops a huge flying headbutt off the top rope, but he stuns himself and can't qu cover as quickly as he wants to, so Kawada kicks out. Uh, Kawada comes back. Well, first of all, he's just so beat up that he like collapses on an Irish web. Uh, and the All Japan fans are intended to start chanting for him to try to, like, rally him, you know. And then Kawada finally comes back with a huge straight punch to the face, just after the five-minute call. That's really his first bit of offense in the match, at least since the opening minutes. And it KOs Tenzon. And they do they show a replay of this. I'm glad they do. He punched this motherfucker right in the face. I mean, right in the face. You know, the people can't see your reactions if you, like, to verbalize them. <laughs> He's like making well, face. I don't want to interrupt you. Well, you can interrupt me. Really Go ahead. On about that, the crowd was really. This is definitely the first match, the most hot crowd we've had so far of the three matches we've well, watched. Of course, the crowd was making a lot of noise. They were really into this. Yeah, uh, and it was a really full building. Yeah, I mean they were really, really into this. Uh, Kawada, he hit some very hard running boots to the face of Tenzan in the corner, including a last one where he seems to just flat out step on this poor man's face. I mean, like, just step on it and go and go down with him. Uh, Tenzan is still able to fight him off uh, while when he tries for the stretch plum, though. And then, you know, Taichi does that move nowadays, too. Mm -hmm. The stretch plum. Because well, he's, he's, he's learned cool. it from cool. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, so Tenzan fights off the stretch plum, counters one of, counters one of uh, Kawada's kicks with the dragon square, which I think Sasaki does to him, too. It's just a, it's a very New Japan move, you know, because it's invented by Tatsumi Fujinami, which is why it's called the Dragon Screw. And like, you know, it's it, it just it, it seems like a move you should do against the All Japan Invader, you know, makes a lot of sense. Uh, he applies a figure for a leg lock. Tenzan gets out of it. Is it kind of like the Chikara special? Or Kawada gets out of it. And, yeah. Sure. <laughs> There's no inverted. The, the 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 mystery counter is not kicking the guy in the head though. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Kawada cuts Tenzan off while he's going for the moonsault. He attacks him from behind before he can even start climbing and hits a backdrop suplex for a two count. They hit each other very hard some more. Like, really hard. Yeah, uh, this, I, I couldn't tell if this, the selling was great, but I don't know if it was actually selling or <laughs> they were just getting the shit kicked out of them and they were just like, man, they, they were just in pain because they were hitting each other so hard. Or I, I don't know where the... I think the line between selling and actually getting hurt was, was blurred in this match. Yeah. Uh, Kawada goes for a power bomb, but he can't pull Tenzan's dead weight up, so he settles for kicking him in the face again, just before the 10-minute call. He goes for the power bomb again, 
and finally gets it after a long like block from Tenzon. Like Tenzon blocks it for a while, mm. and Kawada just like powers him up and just puts him down. And it's a great power bomb. Even though he lost in ten minutes, Tenzon looked strong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this was awesome. I'm going four and a quarter stars. It's the same rating that Meltzer gave at the time too. Just really hard hitting, really brutal. This is a match uh, where it didn't feel rushed, but it felt like they got so much done in ten minutes. Yeah, like, you know, you know what I mean. Like they beat the piss out of each other. And and though people should know even back then, Tenzon wasn't like a fast like guy or anything. But this match still felt like so much was accomplished. Oh, you mean like like he wasn't fast as, in his as framework? A, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he was quicker than he is nowadays, but he wasn't. He was he was very you know he was more of a brawler guy. Yeah. This would have been before he held the title, I think. I mean, it would have I to be. I think so. Yeah, because I think his first Mid-2000s. title run was like... No, I think it's like late 02. Oh, okay. But yeah, let's see. Let's see when he wins the belt for the first time. I remember when he wins it for the first time, he loses it in a month. Oh, he held it a few times, though. Yeah, he... Oh, two, okay. It was 2003. Okay. So November 2003. So yeah, he's still quite a few years away from winning the title. But yeah, he loses it a month later to uh, Shinsuke Nakamura for Nakamura's first title run. Anyway... Uh, so there is your match. This was awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. the best match we've seen so far. Could end up being the best one we see, period. Mm-hmm. Got three more to go. We'll see. All right, so we will be back in just a second. All right, so we just watched our fourth match, uh, which was from the Noah Departure Show uh, in 2004, July 10th, 2004. Of course, that was Noah's debut at the Tokyo Dome, their first of two, because they also came back the following year. Uh, and, come back and the match we got was the semi-main event, the GHC Tag Team Titles, Misawa and Ogawa defeating Keiji Muto and Tai Okea in 21-46 uh, to retain the titles. So this is a... I was, like, excited when we got this show, yeah, but then when I thought about it, I'm like, wait a second. The amazing match, but the one of the best matches ever is the main event, which is not eligible to be picked, you know, since I'm doing it in that main event series. Which of course, Kobashi and Agano with the GHC title. The undercard, you know, has a lot of random stuff. I mean, there's uh, the old man match in the opener that they always used to do with uh, Mitsuo Momoda and Haruka Agen. There's How like, long has Mitsuo Momoda been working opening matches time. for no There's a six-man oh tag. There's a couple random tag matches with Gaijin in it. There's another random tag match. Then we get into, like, the, the top five, which does have some, a bunch of title matches. Um... There were two matches here that we could have gotten that I would have been much happier with, I think. the mm-hmm. This match is amazing. I remember this one. The GHC Junior Tag Titles. This is during the legendary reign of Marafuji and Kenta. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The first ever champions. They the Where they, they beat Takashi Sugara and Ken Nokasha. He was awesome in that match. Uh-huh. I mean, that match was really good. Mm-hmm. And then the second, the second match we could have gotten that would have been really good to get would have been the GHC Junior Tag Titles with Yoshinabu, or GHC Junior Singles Title, I mean, I'm sorry. With Yoshinobu Kanemaru beating Jushin Thunder Liger. We just talked about that Liger was JHC Junior Champion. Yeah. This is where he loses the belt to uh, Kanemaru. Oh, uh, Suzuki and Takayama. Then there was the IWGP tag titles being defended. Oh. Uh, Suzuki and Takayama against Takashi Morishima and Takashi Rikio. I think they're wild that? too. We didn't get it! It's random! Uh-huh. 
And this is my main event is when we got here. Um, this was probably Asawa the worst. versus Mudo and two other guys. It probably, I mean, They're it's funny because in the intro, in the entrance, they don't even really. Co- the other two guys don't even come out with them. Yep. Like they just show them the, in the. It rest. was clear who the stars of this match were, uh, and the other two guys were there. So. So this is during the. Because uh, neither of them would. Yeah. Someone need to lose. This is during the one year, by the way, title reign for the for Misawa and Ogawa as GHC Tag Champions. This reign is pretty pretty awesome too. I mean, to me, this is like peak Noah. Right? Yeah. Where 2004, the cha- 2005. GHC World Champions mm-hmm. Kobashi. The tag champions are Misawa and Ogawa. The junior champions are Kenta Marufuji. That's about as, like, probably the best. I mean, for sure the best heavyweight champion, and, and I'm tag almost positive the best junior like tag champion. All these And great probably wrestlers. one of the best tag champions ever, too. Yeah. I mean, Ogawa's great, honestly. This and was right before I started collecting the Noah DVDs that they sold at, like, Ring of Honor shows, because Noah was so damn good at the time. Yeah. yeah. Just speak up a little bit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes, but Misawa... I'm just looking at the waveform. You speak up a little bit. Uh, Misawa and Ogawa here, you know, they have a lot of great matches here. They beat Tanahashi and Nagata to win these titles. I remember that being great. They have a match against Kenta Marufuji when they're, you know, tag, heavyweight versus junior champs. That's one of my favorite matches. So that match is so awesome. Yeah. Uh, this match, they lose the belt, by the way, to Doug Williams and Scorpio. It's a little Too weird. Cold Scorpio? Yeah. Oh, yeah, January, he was in Noah. Right, January 23rd, yeah. 2005. They hold him for just over a year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is... First of all, this is one of only two matches where Masao and Muto are in the ring together. The other one is where they team. So this mm. one, it's Masao and Ogawa against Muto. This is the only match where they face each other. Yeah. Because then October 31st, 2004, you know, three months later, uh, almost four months later, I guess, they team up on the Keiji Muto 20th anniversary Love and Bump uh, show Love and Bump, Love and Bump, where they face Hiroshi Hase and Kensuke Sasaki uh, in Sumo Hall. I imagine that has to be the main event of that show. Why wouldn't it? Be? I would imagine yeah. too. Okay, what, what are you saying like that? Because I told you to speak up. You gotta speak yes, up a little. You don't I'm have talking. to. You don't have to scream. I'm not screaming. Now you are going oh, the way. <laughs> Can't you find a happy medium? Trying to. Okay, try to. Uh, but yeah, so this this match, you know, <clears throat> obviously the whole thing here is see Masao and Muto fight, Fine. and neither of them have the job. Yep. Uh, so they both have a guy on their team who can do the job. Uh, the match, oh, oh, the other thing I thought was funny, so I don't know what the fuck was going on in All Japan this period. I did not watch a lot of 2004 All Japan, but like, Muto is teaming up with Tayo Kea here, despite Kea being an R-O-N-D at this point, which was, uh, I think it's roughly Obsess and Destroy. Uh, if Gerard is listening to this, our the worst wrestling all Japan guy, he'll he'll know. But I think it's roughly obsessed and destroyed. He might even know why K is teaming with him. Uh, but yeah, so Taka Michinoku is in that stable. He's up on the apron, and when they the ring announcer announces Taiyo K, he's waving the R one D flag. He's all excited, and the ring announcer announces Muto, his partner. And Taka turns away. He's like, "You're not gonna react for that." That was strange. <laughs> it's because because they're heels. Yeah, and they don't like Muto. But it's like, why are they teaming? Them? Then why are they? F- yeah, know. why are they attack team? It's really it is weird. Uh, match was pretty dull early on. Not much happening. Uh, Kea and Ogawa worked most of the way for a pretty dead crowd, and then Misawa Muto came in for like two seconds. And the crowd's going insane, and they tag out again. The crowd goes dead again. Uh, there was one kind of funny spot where that crafty little uh, rat boy Ogawa, he kicks the referee into Kea as Kea is climbing the turnbuckles to like sort of stop him up there. That was funny at least. 
Do you know the whole story about Tai Okea, by the way? No. He's this Hawaiian native who was wrestling in all Japan in the late 90s as, I think, Masu... Is it Masu Katsu Moss Man? Is that, is that what it is? Let me just double check because I don't, don't want to get the name wrong. I think it's definitely something Moss Man. Uh, I'm sorry, Ma... Mansukea Moss Man. Okay. Uh, anyway, so he's wrestling as this, this, you know, this foreign character. But then, like we just talked about, All Japan loses every single native wrestler except for two. So they're like, well, we're going to rebrand Moss Man. And I think, I always thought the idea was to make him almost look like another native wrestler when he's obviously not a native wrestler. But, like, we'll give him a name that doesn't sound like it's weird and foreign, you know? Mm. <clears throat> So I, I always thought that was the idea. Maybe maybe it wasn't, but that's what I thought it was like. Because then they started pushing him pretty heavily. It's like, what else? You know, they got nobody. I mean, they got yeah. to push somebody. But yeah, I always thought the idea was to make him blend in a little more uh, with the roster instead of sticking out as a foreigner. Um, but yeah, so Masao and Ogawa. Uh, or, where was I in the match here? So after, after like 10 minutes, or after the 10-minute call, some cool stuff finally happens. Muto... He hits Ogawa with, the, with Sawa's old Emerald Frozen. That was awesome. He and just like points right at Masawa so in the apron. Like, like this is yeah, like and then piss him off. Yeah, to yeah. piss him off. Masawa comes in like really pissed off. Gives him that shining wizard. That was like really awesome. It was a really cool sequence. Ex- the crowd explodes. The only thing I didn't like about it is Masawa like stumbles for no. I mean, Mudo stumbles for no reason to take it. I don't know if you saw a lot of Mudo matches around this time. He used to have to work over the guy's leg for like an hour. To set up the fucking Shining Wizard to get him to collapse to one knee like that. Mm. And here, Mudo just like, well, time to take the Shining Wizard, I guess. And just collapses to one knee for no reason. Yeah. And Masawa hits the Shining Wizard. That was a little so, awkward. It, it's one of those spots where I can kind of forgive it because it looks so cool in real time. But if you think about it for more than like two seconds, you're like, why did he stumble there? Like, why did he have yeah, one knee? the reason for that? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, the match does pick up down the stretch. They do a bunch of high spots in a row. And Kea hits a really nice sleeper suplex on Misawa, but Misawa gets the rope break to stop the pin. Uh, I know you said this was kind of hard for you to watch because of the thing with Mas- you know, obviously because of how Misawa died. Yeah, I don't seen him take these moves, and I'm like, uh, yeah, and knowing how he died, it was a little because I haven't watched a Misawa match in a long time, and that hearing that music really brought me back when the, hearing that piano. Ding, 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 yeah. like, oh man, like I remember hearing that live and. Thank God I went to see that show because that was literally the only time I could see him live yeah. in America. Yeah. Uh, then. Well, shows. We went to both. We went to both shows, to, right? It was in Philly and in. What did he do in Philly? I don't oh, was that 30 minute draw? Draw or something? with Morishima yeah. and I think Marafuji and Kenta. I forget who was on whose team. Yeah. But, uh, and then it was his match with Kenta. It is funny. Yeah. I remember the New York City show vividly. Because yeah. we had those seats, it was in the um, in Manhattan the Center. Stands, yeah. We had those. We had like what? It was front row in the in the upper box, right? Yeah. So we had an awesome view of the entire arena and people going crazy for it. And I remember that vividly. I have no memories of the Philly show at all. I only like, remember I just the main event. No right. memories, but I remember the Misawa show in in New York City vividly. It's really funny. But we were at both, like you said. Yeah, but yeah I only remember one of them. Uh, but yeah, so. But Sawa, after that, takes a TKO. He, like, runs right into it. Uh, but he does kick Which out. It's funny because we were front row for Philly, I think. <laughs> that is kind I, or, or, like, second row. We yeah. were ringside. Yeah, yeah, right? I mean, I love those box seats in Manhattan Center. Yeah. Those are awesome. Because you could... Especially if you have front row box seats. I mean, you could see everything. Yeah, you can see the whole thing, yeah. Because uh, that was, like, the smaller one in the building, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The one upstairs. Yeah. Uh, Misawa almost... He basically almost drops him and kill, almost kills him on the Emerald Frozen. 
Uh, Kea kicks out of it, but Masawa hits the second one, and that finally gets the pin. I'm going to go three and a half. That might be generous on this. It's a tiny bit higher than Meltzer, who went three and a quarter. And I felt, uh, like, I felt like they didn't want to... I mean, did they not want to show up the main event, so they held back? That's possible, or, too. Yeah. It definitely wasn't bad, and the parts where Masawa and Muto were in there were quite a lot of fun. It just wasn't that many, honestly. And, you know, Masawa and Taiokea's closing stretch was fun, too. But it was very boring for a long stretch as well, so, you know. Uh, it was all about doing Masawa and Muto without either having a job, so... Uh, afterwards, Muto sh- shook hands with Harley Race, who's at ringside. I don't know if you saw noticed that. Oh, but yeah, yeah. That was kind of cool. But there you go. So we got two to go here. We hit the, I guess, well, not the current decade anymore, the last decade, but a little more recent. Uh, so we'll get to our next match in just a moment. Yeah. All right. So we just got fans for match number five, which was from the New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom 5 in Tokyo Dome, January 4th, 2011. Uh, this is, if this isn't, this is either the, the last Tokyo Dome of the uh, Ukes era or the second to last. I don't remember if Bushiroad actually bought it before Wrestle Kingdom eight, uh, six or not. They might have, or if they didn't, they bought it like the end of the, the month. So you know, yeah, pretty much the last Wrestle Kingdom of the the Ukes era. Uh, the match we got was fifth from the top, which was Takashi Sugera and Yoshihiro Takayama versus uh, Hiroki Goto and Kazuchika Okada in a straight-up tag team match. You, you could not believe this was Okada. No. I, you had to tell me seven times. <laughs> You've never seen this version of Okada, have I you? don't think I ever... I don't think I watched TNA when he was Okado. I knew of him. Maybe, maybe once. I kind of remember flipping on once and seeing... I'm um, like, oh, that's a racist gimmick. The, <laughs> the, okay. green, the green then, hornet guy. Yeah. Well, for one thing, he looks so short in this match because he spent a lot of the time in the ring with Takayama. Yeah. He's, he's, Okada's pretty tall, and I yeah. kept thinking, like, when the match starts, I just see this guy in, these, in the, the tights he was wearing. and it was like these yeah, Japanese and, kanji tights. I, had, like, I thought this, it was Tajiri. Yeah, had, like, this thing hanging over it. Hair, and I thought for sure. So he has brown hair, he has a goatee. Yeah. It looks nothing like current Okada. It wasn't so like, find. I kept thinking you were lying to me. Yeah. It wasn't to like, okay, I guess I see it in his face, but <laughs> Jesus, he looked different. Uh, and he looked so short. Being in the room, it just yeah. looked like, like, like he really dwarfed his size. Like, he made yeah. him look, so Kata's pretty tall, like I said. Yeah. I think he's but, like 6'2 or 6'2. Yeah, but Takayama, and compared to a lot of other guys in New Japan, he towers over a lot of people. Yeah. But Takayama is 6'5, so. 191 centimeters, 6'3. I mean, that's what he's billed as. Yeah. It could be probably a little shorter. Goto looked exactly the same. Uh, so did Sugara, honestly. Yeah. Sugara looked almost... It's been ten years, and Sugara looks pretty much the same. I didn't mean to snort. I'm sorry. So Okada came back just for to do this one match. He was in the middle of his amazing... TNA run. TNA run. Uh, which, he, which made TNA dead to New Japan for for like a, Yeah, for like a decade. Until they finally forgave them, it seems yeah. like. But yeah, he was... He had, he had already... Uh, Oh, he had not yet been okay. No, he had already been okay though. Oh, he had. So Okado was Samoa Joe's. Yeah, that was. Wait, where the hell was Okado? Let me see. I, I thought I just saw the the name on here. Uh. Okay, so he had. Yeah, he had just done. Oh no, he's a, he's about to become Okado. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So he had his last matches were. Uh, he goes from he he had been working TNA Explosion exclusively. He did a. Uh, Okay, September 7th, 2010. Ink, Ink! Jesse Neal and Shannon Moore defeats Kiyoshi and, Oka- and Okada uh, on Explosion Episode 315. 
Rob Terry defeats Okada. Uh, November 9th, Explosion 322. Stevie Richards defeats mm. Okada in fucking 2010. November 16, 2010. I, I don't know if he was Abyss's therapist at that point, Dr. Stevie. Uh, Ink Inc. defeats Kiyoshi and Okada again. A match so fine they had to run it twice, apparently. Uh, Explosion 327. So he goes from losing to Ink Inc. again on December 7th, 2010 to teaming up with Hiroki Goto in the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom 5, yeah. January 4th, 2011. That his next televised match will be Okado defeats D'Angelo De Niro by DQ in 2 minutes and 20 seconds on Impact number 350, March 15th, 2011. That's the Pope, D'Angelo De Niro? So he only wrestles one, two... Two matches at Okado total, it seems like. So yeah. he, he, he wrestles once as Suicide after debuting as Okado uh, on March 28th. He loses to Douglas Williams on uh, May 3rd on Explosion again. Then he does the, uh, the New Japan... Uh, you know, the New Japan uh, Invasion Attack shows in East Coast. You know, the shows almost bankrupt the Jersey L Pro yeah. in May. Then he's Okada again all of a sudden in TNA for his last ever appearance, which is the something called the Championship Challenge Tournament First Round, where he lost to Alex Shelley in 649 on Explosion. Again, mm. why, the, why the fuck the Championship Challenge Tournament First Round was happening on Explosion, I can't tell you. But yeah, June 13th, 2011, he's never wrestled in TNA again. And he shows up January 4th, 2012 to beat Yoshihashi as the Rainmaker and then challenge Tanahashi at the end of the night and get booed out of the building by the fans who are like, who the fuck are you to challenge Tanahashi when he just set the fucking all-time defense record at the time Yeah. Uh, by beating Minoru Suzuki. And then he beat Tanahashi. And then he beats Tanahashi yeah, a month later, the Rainmaker shock. But yeah, so he's here just like a weird in-between to be like, hey, it's more, th- this match is just like them reminding you, hey, you know Okada exists, and we got big plans for him, so uh, yeah. here he is. He's in a big match here at the Tokyo Dome, fifth from the top, but he is the guy to job. Now, another guy to have big plans for was Tetsuya Naito. Do you know what he was doing in the next match? Don't look at the screen. Do you know what he was doing? I didn't even... Okay. He's not in the next match. He's in the next match. He's in match number eight. It's not on, the, it's not on him. New Japan World for some reason. Oh, wow. well then... He is losing to Jeff Hardy... In the TNA World Heavyweight Title match. That's why. It's <laughs> I wish we had gotten that one. Oh, you meant that the computer yeah. screen? I was looking for yeah. it up there. It's, I guess it's copyrighted <laughs> by somebody. TNA. I think, or they just don't want to show it because the match is horrible. Because remember, that's the Jeff Hardy drugged up era. Yeah. When he shows up and lo- I do kind of want to see it though. I've, I've seen it. It's pretty horrible. Yeah. I kind of wish we had gotten that. But yeah, I Wait, mean, you can find it somewhere. Oh, it's on. It's online. Yeah, so the, the main event of this show was Kojima losing the IWGV Heavyweight title to, to Tanahashi, which kicks off that reign where Tanahashi... Was that uh, Tanahashi's first title? No. It not his first title. It's like his third or fourth, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that kicks off the reign where he sets the new defense record. Okay. Yeah. That, that, sets, that kicks off his big reign. Yeah, yeah. his big reign. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the semi-main event is Masao Tanaka and Togi Makabe. Uh, we have Nakamura and Goshi Ozaki. I remember liking that, so that would have been cool to get. Prince Davit against Kota Ibushi with the junior title. Yuji Nagata versus Minoru Suzuki. Uh, oh! No DQ, no count out. Toriano versus Rob Van Dam. Oh. This is the match that gives us yeah. Yano Tor. Oh. This is why that exists. You okay. do you not know that? No, I know. That's why he started doing that, because he was shooting with Rob Van Dam. Okay. <laughs> this is the match. This is why a decade later we still have still, yeah. Yano, Tor, oh. and then the show. Yeah. This is the match. Uh, Tenzan versus Zuka, whatever. Hector Garza and Jushin Thunder Liger against La Sombra, Andrade, and Mascara Dorada. I don't know what this fucking WD name is. Uh, 
He's never on TV, <laughs> so I, I can't even tell you. Either. Bad intentions versus Monopoly. I meant the leak. I meant the leak. Oh, thank I you. Got it. I got it. Bad intentions versus Monopoly. Strongman versus Beer Money. James beer Money. Oh, I love Rick. Beer Money. A three-way tag title match. Oh, okay. This tag. T- I wish we had gotten this. Honestly. Yeah. Koji Kanemoto and Ryusuke Taguchi versus Kenny Omega and Taichi. Mm, who both would have been who both would have been representing all Japan juniors at this point, yeah. I think. <laughs> That's awesome. And the opener was Chaos, Gato Jado, Ishii, and Yujiro Takahashi against Tamatanga, babyface Tamatanga, Tiger Mask, Tomaki Hanma, and Matara Inoue. This card's amazing. This yeah. card is like a what a fucking like snapshot in history. But yeah, uh, I kind of want to just watch this other show now. But yes, the tag match we got, I would not call this amazing. This was pretty boring a lot of the way. Mm, uh, okay. up. So Okada jumps Takayama right away with a drop kick for the bell. Uh, Goto goes after Sugera on the outside. And Sugera, you know, he eventually, like, Okada tags back in, Go- tags back in Goto. And Goto and Sugera beat the shit out of each other for a little bit before Goto puts Sugera down with a hard headbutt. Uh, Okada tags back in, but he gets beat on by Sugera, and then Takayama beats him on the outside. Not very interesting. Sugera puts him in a chin lock. Not a move I'd go with in a 10-minute tag match. Uh, this heat segment on Okada is pretty dull. Not much happens. Okada finally gets to make a tiny bit of a comeback. He hits a nice-looking STO on Sugera before tagging in Goto. And then Goto and Sugera, they struggle over a front suplex for a while before Sugera just fucking tosses him and sends him flying. Uh, and then he hits a hard running knee in the corner, but Goto blocks a second running knee and it drops him right on his head with a German suplex. Sugera hits his own German, but Goto no-sells it and hits a nice roaring lariat. Okada holds his own against Takayama after they both tag in, but then he gets double teamed. And Sugera throws him over to Takayama. That was kind of cool. It's like an assisted go to sleep. Yeah. Almost, where he like has him over his shoulders, just tosses him and Takayama hits him with a knee. More to the gut, though. And then Goto runs in to make the save. Uh, Okada suddenly hits a big German suplex on Takayama out of nowhere. That looked impressive, but he couldn't hold the bridge. And then Okada, he starts to pick Takayama up like he's going for an air raid crash or something like that. Uh, but Takayama actually manages to sunset flip him. I was like, what the f- I had to rewind it. I was like, did I just see that? Mm-hmm. Yoshihiro Takayama in 2011 was able to do a sunset flip. He was already moving pretty slow by this point, honestly. Like, I couldn't believe he pulled that off. And he pulled it off a... It was a good sunset flip. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, that got a two count. And then Takayama... I, I was surprised. I remember I was like, what? 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 And then <laughs> it happened, was... and I was like, oh, okay, okay. At that, at that time, he was able to do it. By the way, I forgot the Tenzan Izuka match I mentioned earlier was the was the deep sleep yeah, to lose, man. what the fuck does that mean? It's like a ten count knockout, I think. So it's the last man standing. Yeah. Deep sleep to lose. Strange. All-time great name. Man. I just saw that on the TV screen, so... And Nagata, Nagata, no justice, Suzuki was no, no justice, no like, just a regular match. Okay. Uh, I think the Makabe Tanaka was the absolute exhaust. I don't know. And the other ones were New Japan versus Noah Battle Combustion. So, anyway. Uh, but yeah, so Takayama, he drops Okada on his fucking head for with a backdrop yeah. suplex. What a suplex this was. Very close near fall. And then he hits the Everest German. That's the pen. This was boring as shit for a while, but it man ended on a high note. Yeah. So I went really three. And, I went three and a quarter. That's fair. It was fair, pretty yeah. good by the end because it really it ended re- on a high but note. But it really picked up at the end. Yeah. There was a lot of cool shit. Yeah. But it was very boring for a while. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty boring. For, especially for a match that's this short. I mean, it was boring quite a while. All right. Because let me. What was the match time? Let me get it. Uh, it was ten. 
1208, actually. A little longer than I thought. A couple minutes longer. But, you know, pretty short. All right. So, that will take us to our final match. Well, you got to give it away. Well, I guess they're going to know anyway. They're going to know in two seconds. Uh, Unless you think your listeners can't read. (laughs) Oh, that's true. (laughs) I forgot about the match list. All right, folks. So, we'll be back in just a second. All right, so we just watched our sixth and final match. Actually, we didn't we... just watch it because we had food. <laughs> Do the people well, need to know? You're lying that? to them. And I won't stand for it. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We watched our sixth match, paused to eat a late dinner because it's 9 p.m., and now we're recording. That's a little bit of SmackDown, but not Like really. a minute, I think. <laughs> we didn't get past the opening video package. Because... Do you, anything else you want to tell them? Do you want to tell them what we ate? Do you want to tell them uh, no, what, you said you're not where I to... bought this fan? I don't know Do where you want... bought it. <laughs> I know. Do you want to tell them? Is that on the thing, by the way? Put that on the towel. Oh. Because it can't be driven water on these nice sheets. <clears throat> Thank you. Because <laughs> it's like an air conditioner fan, folks. It has, like, uh, you put care. water in the bottom and it makes a little mystery. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, it's nice. Life is <laughs> so, our last match is from Wrestle Kingdom 7 Evolution mm-hmm. uh, in the Tokyo 2013. January 4th, 2013. Um, so, we got... No, we didn't get Okada and Tanahashi. No, that was the main event. That was the main event. Yeah, it's Tanahashi beating Okada to retain the title. That match was, like... I, I remember I covered that one uh, in my Okada Tanahashi series. That match owns... Yeah, that match I was mean, awesome. I I forgot how good that match was. I honestly think it's their best Tokyo Dome match. I think it's better than 2015 or 2016. Maybe 2015 is close. One of them is really disappointing. I was going to say I think 2016 was disappointing. 2016, I think, is disappointing. Uh, maybe it is 2015. I don't know. But 2013 was great. 2013 was awesome. I mean, I had very little memory of it before I watched that one. And Actually, that, no. I think it was really... 2015. That was, wasn't that the year where Nakamura and Ibushi did the better match? And I think they had the best match of the show 2016. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have to go back and look at my notes, I guess. But the point is, I think this was the best one. Okay. Uh, the best Tokyo Dome match because mm-hmm. there's better matches. The two, the two earlier twenty, the two later in twenty thirteen ones. Uh, the I love va- the match they had in Dallas too. But that, I, that I have biased That's like a best I saw of. live. That's like more like a best of too. But the, the two other twenty thirteen matches, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Invasion Attack and King of Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Those are the two best matches between Okada and, uh, and Tanahashi. Yeah. I mean, Invasion Attack is number one, and King of Pro Wrestling is number two. Um, but yeah, so this, we did not get that, because obviously <coughs> no main events. Um, I wish we had gotten the semi-main, Nakamura and Sakuraba. Mm-hmm. That match is so good. Intercontinental title match. Uh, third from the top is Makabe Shibata. Fourth on top is Tenkoji against Keiji Budo and Shinjiro Otani. What we got was fifth from the top, right above Nagata and Suzuki again. Mm-hmm. They've met the Tokyo Dome like three times, I think. Uh, right above that, we got Prince Debit beating Kota Ibushi. And Loki to retain the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title in fourteen forty-five. A lot of stuff to talk about here. First of all, Loki. What was a uh, what was all Loki wearing? You want to tell the story? It wasn't. He looked dumb, not because he was dressed as the Hitman Cat. Well, not because he was dressed like that. I mean, you want he he looks cool dressed as the Hitman Cat, but the fact that he's wrestling in this stupid outfit looks so hokey and dumb. He's running around with... you got these two guys dressed like wrestlers, and this guy with a fucking suit and gloves and dress shoes, and I'm like, what? <clears throat> it looks stupid. I swear, there was a moment... Looks, it looks like, specifically stupid in New Japan. In New Japan, yeah. yes. <clears throat> I swear to God, one or two minutes into the match, the look on Prince Devitt's face, he was like, what the fuck is he wearing? I, I swear, that's what he was... Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. That's what it looked like to me, he was thinking. And I know... <laughs> I remember reading about this 
like saying that they didn't want him to do this, and he was like, "Tough, I'm going to do it." And they so, fired him right so the they fired him. That so this was like the last straw. He was already kind of paying. They were already pissed about a lot of things. Yeah, like he he refused to go to Fukushima, which had that nuclear accident, but is safe now. But yeah, he refused but to go. He knows. Well, I don't know if you know this, but he's one of the people that doesn't want to get a vaccine. Yeah, he's one of these people that thinks they know more than so scientists. He, then now your buddy Tony Khan will not go to the entire island of Japan, supposedly, yeah. because of the because of Fukushima. I think that might uh, be a bullshit excuse, well, though. But. Well, he refused to go because and sent the. Uh, Basically, sent the young bucks and Kenny to negotiate for him, which is one of the reasons why the, you know, the New Japan AEW thing didn't happen right at the start. But it's kind of water under the bridge at this point I guess. because they, they're obviously working together now. But it's one of these things where apparently New Japan was very insulted. Um, I don't know about very insulted. They would, they would just like, okay, you want to have a relationship with us? You're, the fucking owner should be here, basically, yeah. and they, you know, he wouldn't go. Um, but yeah, so Loki gets fired like literally, literally the night after this. I mean, it's not his last match in Japan, because he comes back for a tour of all Japan. Although he only lasts like five matches, four, one, two, yeah, four matches in all Japan before he gets, he never comes back there either later in the year. Did, he, did they do a New Year's Dash show? No, he didn't do New Year's Dash. Okay. So he, he was fired, I guess, right after the show. But yeah, he shows up in four matches in all Japan. He loses in the Royal Road second round to Akebono. And that's his last All Japan match in September 2013. Then he's back in Impact, I guess, because he's on the the TNA Bound for Glory 2014. That was at Cork and Hall, where uh, he loses a th- X Division three way to Samoa Joe and Kazayashi. And that's it. That's his, those are his last Jap- appearances in Japan. So October 2014, all because he had to wear the Hitman costume. Oh, so stupid. <laughs> uh, this is also during the middle of Prince Debit's uh, famous junior title run. He won the belt in November 2012 from from Loki uh, in Osaka at Power Struggle. And he held it all the way until January 2014. So he'll hold it another year after this until he loses it to Kota Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom 8, uh, you know, a few months before he leaves the company for WWE. And apparently he did. He returned... Oh, I guess we shouldn't tell you this. Spoiled you, I guess. He returned on SmackDown tonight. So Ooh. Finn Balor, Prince Dammit. Oh, I don't care. I heard yeah. he was going to probably... I heard he was probably going to be there. Yeah, so they people people didn't seem to really give a shit. So seven years so, or eight years later, I guess nobody really cares. What, what does that leave NXT? Uh, I, I don't know. They ha- don't they still have the Fallen Prey guy? Who? Fallen Prey man. Who the fuck is that? Carrying Cross? I guess so. Isn't that what that theme song goes? Fall. Yeah, I think so. Pray. But he's like they're, they they're, they're like teasing a feud, which I'm not sure can happen. Well, oh him and Joe. But if Joe can wrestle, then what? Uh, I have questions. So why... Okay, I have questions, too. First of all, why did they have... Car- did you see that Karrion Cross wrestle on main event? Where they took away his entire entrance. They just had him walk out like, do-do-do. I heard he was on main event. Yeah. That's what he did? So they, they got rid of... They didn't have Scarlet. They didn't have the lights. They didn't have any... He just walked out like, oh, I'm Karrion Cross. He looked like a fucking Kaw on SmackDown. Like the generic entrance for Kaw. For a creator wrestler. Why? Just, I, don't, I don't know. Why, why does WWE do anything? He's doing, all, he, all he had was a theme song still. That was it. They took away the entire flashy entrance. They're like, "Hey, just go walk out there." Oh gosh, <laughs> I don't get it either. But yeah. Uh, anyway, so Devin, of course, was a few months away here from the big Bullet Club turn that would mm-hmm. basically change the face of wrestling. Uh, you know, an invasion attack when he turned Ciro into Gucci, who had been his partner in Apollo Apollo Fifty Five, and uh, you know, uh, joins up with Bad Luck Fale and. The rest is history, you know? They officially formed Bullet Club. Does AEW ever happen without that? Probably not. Stable right? forming. Probably yeah, not. I, I, no, I agree. How the fuck would it? 
it's it, it started a like what's the word a domino effect yeah. that, that eventually led to all in, which led to AEW. Damn, I mean, there's no WWE still a fucking you know complete monopoly. It's, it's kind of like Hot Topics fault in a way. Yeah, Hot Topic too. I guess so. Well, it's because WWE couldn't. No, it's because WWE uh, couldn't get anyone over when Hot Topic uh, guys were at WrestleMania. They saw all these people wearing Bullet Club shirts, and they were like, "How come we don't sell that shirt in our stores, WWE?" And when you give us all your other guys, but your top-selling faction, you don't give us any shirts for. And they're like, oh, well, we don't do them. And they're like, oh. <laughs> I, I have to go. You're not going to call any... No, no, I just got to go. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that is a pretty funny story. Uh, but yeah, so this match is Devitt, Loki, and uh, and fucking whatever the hell. Kota Bushi, that guy. Uh, <laughs> this, this match, it starts with a... Typical, kind of hokey, three-way opening sequence. They're all trying to hit each other. They all duck each other. And then we boot, Then we just keep switching off pairs. Yep. So Ibushi and Devitt do a singles match for a while. A pretty pedestrian one. Low-key pulls Devitt off the apron of the floor. He takes over against Ibushi. Uh, the two of them are elbowing each other to get the five-minute call. Uh, Devitt comes right back in after that. or Not right. It takes a while, actually. Uh, goes after Loki. Now the two of them are just fighting. And it's like... the. This is a three-way match, and you guys are just gonna like they do this. Two you, and two. You yeah. point out they do this in a lot of three ways, but it felt really egregious here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel, usually, there's there's at least some double teams and something yeah. in other three ways. This they just kept pairing off the uh, whole time. They did eventually, I guess. Eventually, towards the end, they started yeah. doing like spots yeah. with, involving all three of them, but they'd always like throw some guy out of the ring, and they I yeah. guess like fall asleep for two minutes, and the two of them would wrestle. I mean, for why I can't stand three ways in general. Yeah, same. But this was like an extreme example. Uh, Loki at one point decides to do an abdominal stretch on Devin. I'm like, why Why an abdominal stretch, buddy? You got less than 15 minutes, you're a junior title match. Just do spots. Why does he do anything? <laughs> Coda, Coda comes back in with a nice springboard dropkick on Loki to take him out, but Devitt easily knocks him aside and then hits his uh, typically great Tope Con Hilo uh, on, the, on both of them on the outside. And then it finally picked up a bit after that with all three guys doing spots together. Instead of just doing these separate singles matches. Most of the spots are pretty nice. Uh, Ibushi, he nearly beats Dabit after his double flip moonsault. You know, where he lands on his feet and then does another standing moonsault. Uh, and then he does this crazy sit-out last ride that he normally does. But he even, looked even better than normal, I think. Well, probably because Dabit weighs like 50 pounds. Uh, Loki makes the save, though. Key lands on his feet on an Ibushi German attempt. And then just fucking drills Ibushi with an immediate double foot stomp to the face. That looked like it sucked for Ibushi. Yeah. Maybe Cody went back there and was like, fire this asshole. That's he just, possible. <laughs> probably not. Probably it, not. But I just thought it was funny. Uh, Loki takes off his jacket. Yeah. It's like the, the fucking video game nerd version of Lawler pulling down the straps. I clapped very loud. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, he takes off the jacket. But then Deb... Or he hits a key crusher on Ibushi. Looks like he killed him again. Uh, but Devitt comes... Flying in off the top rope with a huge drop kick to break up the pin. Uh, Loki goes for his Tree of Woe double foot stomp, only for Ibushi to erupt with a springboard Rana. That's a pretty amazing spot. They pulled it off perfectly. Uh, and the champion Devitt just kind of hanging there, unable to do anything, and just having to hope key kicks out. That was pretty great, too. What was the finish of the match? I forgot to write, write it down. Uh, well, I just I just remember thinking every time I see this finish, well, if Loki was on his way out, why the hell didn't he get pinned? Oh, yeah, Devin pinned Ibushi. Yeah, Devin pinned Ibushi. Okay. And I always find it strange. Was it fo- with the foot stomp? I th- believe so. Oh, no, 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 no. He hit the, he hit no. the Bloody Sunday off the top, I think. You're, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he hit the Bloody Sunday off the top, which was cool, and that was the pin. So 
when I first started watching, I didn't remember this match at all. When I first started watching this match, and I looked at Dave's rating, I was like, what the fuck? Dave gave this four and a half. I know. Yeah. And it has an 8.14 on Cage Match. I think Cage Match is closer. I would go... What is it on Cage Match? 8.14, which is like oh. four stars. Oh, yeah. I would go, I don't know, three and three quarters or four. I mean, the, the spectacular stuff is really spectacular, but like all that like pairing off shit really is pretty, really boring. And I don't know. I'll go three and three quarters. I don't think it's four stars. Okay. Why, you disagree? No, no. No, uh, that's about right. Yeah, uh, where you go all the way to four stars. Yeah. I mean, four and a half is insane. I don't know. Yeah. Don't what know. Big Dave well, was things thinking. Things were different back Dave then. loves his spots. If this match came out today, I think he would give a different rating. Yeah. Uh, I think you're too overconfident. Uh, yeah. But anyway. So, I guess that'll wrap things up. This was a little shorter than I thought it would be. Maybe we didn't talk enough about the matches. Do we let... Do we let well, the people down? We let you. The selection of matches is uh, random, yeah. And and a lot of them were. There short. are a lot of other matches I would have had a lot more to say about. Like I'm not blaming you. I'm yeah. saying in general we didn't have a lot to say. I guess oh, that's okay. People can people can deal with only an hour podcast instead of my normal. Maybe next time two do eight hours. matches. No, that's too many. Look how look how long it takes to. Even well, you said only... it wasn't that long. <laughs> you just screamed. Do you see where you screamed, Dan? Okay, well, you just said it wasn't that long. But we started recording this at, what, like, 4 o'clock, and now it's 9? Okay, well, what'd you... What'd you want me to tell you? I'm just like, where'd the time go? I don't know. Because it's already, like, only an hour and 15 minutes. I'm clearly stalling for time, folks. Well, we usually... We didn't have that long an intro. I think we've done these retro ones around this length, too, anyway, thinking about... I think so. Yeah. So it's nice. Give people a week off from two-hour, three-hour podcasts. I almost never do three hours anymore, anyway. Usually do, like, two hours. So, anyway. Uh, folks, where can you find Quinlan? Of course, you can find him on Twitter. I'm underscore not underscore Quinlan. Are you Quinlan? No. Okay. Uh, and, folks, you can find me on Twitter at Tushanshu in LA. I never say that. at Otacon. At Otacon, that's right. This will be the last free episode for Otacon, so I should plug that. So, if you're going to Otacon... 2021. Actually, no, it's not the last free episode. What are you doing? You're freak, freaking me out. There's still, like, another... There's still two Three more weeks. Episodes. Yeah. So it's funny episodes. Okay, so why are you yelling at me? You're the one that doesn't know what time it is. <laughs> anyway, you can find us both at Otacon. You're going to do what? Final Fantasy XIV? Yes. So what are you going to tell the people about Final Fantasy XIV? Probably about the near rage and the, maybe the music, and we're going to talk about the stupid shit they did recently, and we're going to talk about the future. So you went from screaming to muttering. The past... Well, we have we have one person on our panel that's played 1.0, which not many people have. So oh, that's Jeffrey. Yes, he played 1.0. That was when everybody literally hated the it. only person I know that that played 1.0. That's when everybody hated it, right? 1.0. Yes. Do you want to? We just tell the story. That I almost know. bankrupted Square. Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. Uh, we should tell the story, by the way, about the. I don't know if we told this on the air before. So there's this guy. We don't have to say his name because I don't. I doubt he listens. <laughs> but I mean, why bother? Why bury some guy? We I mean, don't have to. But there's this guy who hosts these really horrible panels. At Anime Next and Anime Boston every year, right? Uh, and uh, you're not narrowing it down, so, but okay. <laughs> and he was hosting this panel on Final Fantasy. Yes, yeah, so, okay. At, an, at Anime Next. Oh, you're right, because it could have been either one of them. Yeah. There's two. There were two different horrible Final Fantasy panels that year. Yeah. So, Jeffrey is our friend. You just mentioned him, and you guys are in this Final Fantasy panel. The panel's are two hours long, right? I think um, it was two hours and ninety minutes. I think it was two hours, you said. Yes, it was two hours. Okay. So, so you guys... I'm not there for this. So I'm just... No. I'm telling the second hand. Uh, so you guys are at this panel. 
It's horrible. Why is it horrible? Give me a give me a reason. Um, I know the guy, so I know really I really know why it's horrible. But paint a picture for the for the. He listeners. kept leaving the panel room. Oh yeah, that's true too. He would play a video and then just get up without saying anything and walk out. If people have never been to an anime con, you really should not be leaving the panel room during your own panel. We figured out later he was going to get water, but he wasn't saying anything. He would just get up and leave, and we're like, "Where where where is he going?" And the whole room would sit there like, "Did he just leave? <laughs> why?" And. So he's going through all these Final Fantasies. Like, he's going through the games in chronological order. Yeah, screwing stuff up about them, you know, but whatever. The panel's horrible. The panel's pretty bad, yes. Jeffrey, our friend, wants, uh, is sitting there with you guys. Somebody wants to leave. I don't remember who. All I of think us. all of you wanted to leave. One of us did leave. James left. Oh, James left, okay. Shout out to James. Um, and he, Jeffrey said, I want to hear what he says about FF14. I love it. Because you guys love the... Um, it's I wasn't playing at the time, but he, yeah. he he was, and he was really wanting to wait, so we sat there He's for like, an we have, I have to hear what he said about yeah. Final Fantasy XIV. He gets to Final Fantasy XIV, and he just says, yeah, it's an online game, I heard it's bad, I haven't played it. Moving on! And then he goes to fifteen. <laughs> And Jeff and I burst out laughing so hard because Jeffrey's making everyone notice. But I, I just, I was laughing at Jeffrey for making us sit there for so long (laughs) just to hear nothing. He was not happy. We left at that point. To this day, I don't know what he's. we were only an hour through the two-hour block. Yeah. So unless he he either spent the next hour talking exclusively about fifteen, or I don't know, because the only game he had left was fifteen. But he also had the. what was it called? Master Quest? The, I mean, I guess the American Super Nintendo? No, Mythic Quest. Mythic Quest, thank you. And, and, there's, and Crystal there's Crystal Chronicles. Maybe he talked about those. There's an, isn't there another Crystal Chronicles too? There's more than one, yeah. yes. And, 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 there's, there's, and there's those ones the that... Game Boy games aren't really Final Fantasy. Fantasy, they just yeah. named them to make money. Yeah. Um, yeah, but maybe he talked about those. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, like, I left wondering, did he spend the next hour talking about 15? Or did he just end the panel early? Or did he just talk about his laptop? Because he's been known to do that? Or... They do a tribute to Stephen yes. Hawking. So even same, know to do that. The same panelist. So we went to a panel. I think at Anime Boston the same year. Uh, that was supposed to be like '90s anime or something. And we we all sit down. And this is how he starts the panel. No no introduction. No context. He's just like, so I'm getting a new laptop. And he starts. He introduces a slide about his laptop. Not his new one. His previous lap. The laptop he's using. He's like this is my laptop. I've had it for a long time. Blah 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 blah. Meanwhile, you have to understand, nobody... If you've never been an AnimeCon panelist, I've asked the question when I host the same panel each year, how many people have been. And keep in mind, this is the same exact panel. I do Japanese indie music almost every year. I've done Japanese pro wrestling a bunch of years at at different conventions. I I usually ask, like, hey, have you ever been to one of my panels before? Like, one person might raise their hand. Like, the turnover is immense. People just go to whatever panel looks cool at that time, you know? So that's what most people do. So you do not get repeat. Get so I'm trying to explain that all of us in this room had never been to one of his panels before. Had no idea why the fuck he was starting. He's starting his panel like people really want to hear about my computer. Like they have followed the saga of my computer all this time uh, throughout all the other panels I posted, and they really want to hear about it. And everybody's looking around like, what is this guy talking about? Like we're here for, you know, we're here to hear, we're here to hear about Inuyasha, whatever the fuck. Yeah. And he's talking about his computer. And then he, so he has a slide. He built a slide on his old laptop. And he's and as a teaser, he's like, later on we'll talk about my new laptop that I'm getting to get people to stay for more of the panel. We'll get to hear about his new laptop. No one cares. No one cares. No one cares. No one cares. Yeah. So this this guy is amazing. <laughs> I'm not gonna again. I'm not gonna name him because why bury a person? Uh, 
You don't have to. But anyway. There you go. Space Jam and New Legacy. It all comes full circle. Mm-hmm. Advertising right now on my TV. I'm really killing time here, folks, as you can tell. I got to an hour 20. It's about what I wanted to do. So uh, most of you probably turned it off when you realized the wrestling content was over. But if you stuck around, thank you very much. I love you. Uh, Quinlan, do you love them too? Yeah. Everybody loves you. Everybody loves love you, everybody. listener. everybody. Everybody loves you, listener. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, of course, don't forget to check out the Omakase Patreon. Patreon.com slash Wrestling Omakase. Uh, you can hear the series of Tokyo Dome main events, doing them all in chronological order. We've got Takata versus Hashimoto coming up this week. Probably do one more this week, too, which I don't remember what it is off the top of my head. Uh, but, you know, it'll be something. I think it's I think it's Fujinami and Hashimoto, maybe? Something like that. Or Hashimoto Choshu. It's, probably, it's Hashimoto against an old guy, I think. But we'll get to it, uh, whatever it is. But yeah, so we'll we'll be continuing on through the mid-90s. Going to get to the Hashimoto-Ogawa matches soon, which are crazy. So that'll be something. Uh, yeah, and in the meantime, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Russell Omikase, Wrestling Women Fit. Uh, if you want to comment on my looks on Twitter, you can uh, go find me on Twitter and do that. This seems what people are doing lately for some reason. Uh, uh, thank you for listening, and I will see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.